Hello, it's Go Men and Goats. Uh, we're on episode 15. I'm Finlay. Um, I'm back with this time my, my broken wrist is now healed. Um, I am, I've celebrated that by getting out at the end of July for a rugby round in the Cairngorms uh, with a new um, record of 16 hours 40, which is a, just a great day out kind of quest uh, across the Cairngorms. A, a smaller quest than the one we we're just about to talk about, but um, yeah, it was really hot, roasting day, um, and actually on the same day, um, Jasmine Paris was out setting um, a new female record for the 24-hour Monroe record, um, which was 29 Monroes, and that's pretty relevant to what we're just going to discuss, discuss today, because we're going to be talking to Kim Collison, who um, I'm sitting in his kitchen now in Mungrysdale. I'm down in the lakes, having been uh, running around in the clag, uh, in some hills for the weekend and yeah so great uh, thanks very much Kim for getting me around to yours to talk about your 24-hour Monroe record set earlier this year. Well you're welcome thank <laughs> you for coming around and interviewing me. Yeah um, yeah I mean I think the first thing to say is yeah I'm really uh, intrigued and interested about the 24-hour Monroe record like it's such a, a simple concept uh, in in kind of in the writing, not so simple in the doing, yeah. but yeah, how many Monroes can you do uh, in twenty four hours, starting and finishing at the same place? Yeah, it's uh, quite a clear concept, isn't it? You know, there's no bits around it. You know, it's have you done a Monroe or not, and do you get back to the start and finish? Um, it's two quite clear objectives. Yeah. Um, but then it's trying to piece. Oh, actually, what can I do in that time and and, and what is that train like and how much you know is how close are they what's the ascent and, and trying to put that picture together uh you know i've just followed on the footsteps of jim's sort of record and you know oh, okay that looks achievable and possible um but yes yeah, it's, it's slightly different from the lakes one where there's a bit more rigidity and history behind it in terms of how it's developed um, whereas the Scottish one is, it's a Monroe or it's not a Monroe. Yeah, and there's there's lots of directions I want to go in first to that, <laughs> but um, maybe yeah, maybe jump in with yeah. So you, sticking with the the Monroe record, like you did thirty three peaks, um, mm. it's it's been quite a progression over the years, hasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah. I yeah, I was having a look before before we looked at this, just to kind of go through the progression, because it's, it's, it's fascinating, like um, 1964, the Tranter round, uh, so in Le Caber, um, which is 19 Monroes, was sort of the initial 24-hour round. I think it took 23 hours when they did that. And, and I think at that point, um, there was kind of a lot of kind of long-distance walking records and things like that, and, um, you know, Tranter's round is, is a lot faster now, you know, running like, yeah. but uh, the progression through that then, you know, also the years between them, like from 1964, the next time someone, someone did one was, you know, over 10 years later, 1978, and that was the Charlie Ramsey round, so an extension mm -hmm. of Tranter. Uh, so, so uh, you know, <laughs> is that sort of de facto becoming a 24-hour record? Because well, was the objective different? Yeah. Was it, you know, what was the objective of the Ramsey round? Was it to create a round similar to the Bob Graham? 
or was it to get how many Monroes could I get in 24 yeah. hours? No, it's just interesting to know. And what's interesting there is both the yeah the the Bob down here and the, and the Ramses round like they both were well either yeah they were both twenty four hour records at one point, but then the the either the lakes twenty four uh, which you've got the record for which we'll ask you about um, and the and the Scottish you know twenty four hour Monroe record mm -hmm. like they've both progressed from there but the Bob and the, the Charlie Ramsey have still stayed as like benchmark uh, mm -hmm. kind of iconic routes and because the Bob the Bob Graham is 42 peaks isn't it whereas your lake's 24 hour record now is 78 peaks yeah uh, but there must be something in the sort of the 42 that sort of makes it quite a classic uh you know, 24 hour challenge for from appeal to lots of people I, I guess because it's achievable for anyone that trains well to do it and but it's still a very hard challenge yeah. So it creates that sense of, yeah, I've done a Bob Graham, but if you try and do 77, 78, immediately yeah. it puts it into a very handful of people that could, a small select few that could actually attempt it or think about it. Um, whereas anyone that puts a few years into training and going to the mountains and thinking this is my goal, can can achieve a Ramsey round or a, a Bob Graham, um, but it's not a given as well. So it's that yeah. uh, sense of adventure. I think it's just at that right level um, for a lot of people. Yeah, we were talking before we started about the, the challenge of whatever you do, if, if you sort of, if it was a given, it wouldn't be a challenge and it wouldn't have that kind of excitement of, I think yeah. I can do it, but you know, I need to go and <laughs> I won't know until I try and yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so with the, the Monroe's record, like over the years, it's it sort of moved about where it was. So those first two were Lacaber, uh, Martin Stone increased that again, like ten years later, uh, with another couple of Monroe's onto onto Ramsey's round. Um, then uh, Broxap took it to um, sort of Glenshiel, um, Glen Affric kind of region, bringing it up to seven, uh, 28 Monroe's in 1988, uh, and then. Then that was increased because the Monroe's tables, the SMC changed the definition essentially of the, the number of Monroe's. There were some, some hills upgraded. Mm -hmm. So uh, just while sitting on the couch, John Proxap's round went up by one Monroe because it was a summit he'd done that wasn't a, wasn't a Monroe at the time. So that was 29. Uh, whereas the Lacapa ones lost a Monroe because uh, Screw and Uber in the Mamores was downgraded. Um, so <laughs> so this is why I, I find this is fascinating. Surely it should be the number of Monroes that they thought they were climbing at the time, rather than what it is actually now. <laughs> because you can only go at the objective of what it was at the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, did he go to the extra twenty ninth top or not? You know, because he wasn't necessarily going to that top. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those sort of questions I, I find interesting to think maybe it should have just be the okay that was what the objective was at the time we leave it at that yeah, figure that's a good point um, yeah just because the tables have changed you know obviously for the future ones we go on what the current Monroe's is yes. um, yeah know. no I think that's a good point and and I mean the whole thing about the, the changing of the Monroe's is, is quite interesting in itself because um, I think 
there's a bit of subjectivity in what and um, how they decided what is a Monroe, whereas like the Corbetts and Grahams and, and I don't know as much about it in England, but probably, um, you know, the well, the Corbetts and Grahams, they have like a specific, it's this height, uh, you know, it's between these heights and it has to be this much, um, you know, height drop on each side. And, and it's quite a formula. Whereas whereas probably like, would you say the, the Wainwrights maybe is was a subjective thing of, of Wainwright himself decided yeah, what he it, thought was was one of his peaks is that is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think it's just him yeah. where there was a good view and he enjoyed that as a, a top because some of them aren't even the highest point. So, okay. so it, not necessarily it's where he thought the best view was. I think on a particular place. Okay. So, so that's even more. That's very subjective of one person's. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, but it, it's just his tops. You yeah. know, it's what yeah. he's chosen and written about in his walking guides. Um, and then that's become become the challenge. Become yeah. the challenge. Whereas obviously Monroe's, yeah, um, there are the criteria of them being over uh, three thousand feet, but there's a little bit of subjectivity as to how much height change between them, and and I think that's uh, that's mm-hmm. my long wi- my long winded way of saying about the change in nineteen ninety seven of some were upgraded, um, yeah, which then makes it hard to compare previous attempts and I think you're probably right that yeah when they were doing them they could only go at you you could only go at what was a Monroe at the time yeah (laughs) Uh, and John Broxap's record stood for almost 30 years I think wasn't it Um, until Jim Mann in 2017 sort of took it to the what now maybe seems obvious is taking it to the Cairngorms uh, as you know I think that was the first time the record had been there Um, And saying, well, you know, there's a lot of Monroe's in the Cairngorms, uh, and you know, quite flowing terrain. I'm sure a lot of rough terrain, but um, quite a lot of Monroe's with maybe relatively less height gain than you'd have to do in. Yeah, it's certainly like 33 peaks in Lacabre. You'd be out to uh, Glen, uh, Ben Ben Alder and everything, and the be. Well, how do we look? There'd be like five thousand meters more ascent, I think, to try and get thirty. <laughs> was that thirty-two or thirty-three peaks? Can't can't remember. Which is but, a yeah. lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time to do that. Yeah. So he so he did uh, yeah thirty Monroes, and um, Alexander Chaplin, Sasha Chaplin last year then took that to thirty-two, uh, and then you're obviously thirty-three, adding adding Breivik this year. Yeah. I, I guess I saw the the carrot dangling in front of me of um, that, that that there was almost a clear thirty third there you know, with the yeah. time that they had taken to do thirty two and you, you you could listen to their talk on the Kanefi website and okay. and you could go oh, it's one of those they would summing up whether they went for it or not and obviously clearly decided to play it a bit safer. And we're glad on the day that they did because they're not sure that they would have got it on that day from the sounds of it. Um, but you think, actually, maybe we have a bit more efficiency and um, you could grab that top and, and there's a 33 there. So it was, well, that, it was that edge of that challenge that we're talking about is, I think it's possible, but I don't know. Um, so it's like, yeah, I've got to go and give that a try. Because it... Because again, to state the obvious, like if you take twenty-four hours and one minute, then it's 
it's yeah. not the 24-hour challenge. It, so it's, you, it's a clear black or white, yes or no, you've done it or not. And the thought of the thought of putting in that much effort and then just being, you know, just outside the 24 hours, well, just over the 24 hours, mm. yeah, that'd be pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's stressful, the 24-hour challenges. It, just because the clock's constantly counting down. Um, so it definitely makes me feel empathy for those on the Bob Graham or the Ramsey that are at that 24-hour limit, that they've always got that clock at the back of their mind, not knowing whether they can do it or not. And, you know, not until you're getting really close do you know whether you've got that in the bag or not? And that was the, the psychological side of it that I found really quite tough to deal with. Yeah. Um, but also part of that excitement of it, I think. Because there's an awful lot, like Rams, yeah, Ramsey's round. Uh, there's quite a lot of completers that are like 23 and a half hours or something like that. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> getting going up to the... The final peak, knowing that you've got, you know, less than an hour to then get down. <laughs> well, um, how would you sort of describe to people like the rough, like, route of where you go, um, sort of in broad terms in the, in the Cairngorms 24? Uh, there's some, early on, there's some very quick runnable parts with, with good footpath and tracks to get up to Benain. Um, uh, and then after the first couple, it suddenly changes to more uh, heather and peat hags and like rougher, boggy type terrain. Uh, and so it becomes a lot slower. Then there's huge rocky areas of boulders, uh, um, similar to like Scarfell, massive, where there's boulder fields. So you know, uh, McDewey, I think, around that area. Yeah, yeah. There's all really really rough terrain and steep heavy descents um, down into the Korobofi uh, and then so that's the northern fell and then the, the southern end the um, is much more rolling type hills it's not as rocky and rough I don't find in terms of bouldery type train but more peat and heather and grass and so some really good running bits but then some really slow mountain marathon type terrain where you're just crossing uh, the the heather and the, the long grass and the tussocks and, and that side but then then there's some short good tracks and paths as well um, near Loch Nagar that you think okay. if you had some legs you could run really quite quickly so it's really good mix of good scottish strain i think and var variables that makes it well uh, interactive and challenging and interesting for me i think and you and you're taking quite um unusual routes between a lot of the hills aren't you because yeah. you know obviously you're so broadly is it um invercald bridge that you start yes and yeah. then broadly you're sort of yeah you're going into the the northern into the the kind of main northern Cairngorms, and yes. then crossing the Larry Grew, and then uh, coming south from from Breirik, past Towards like Monomore, and then into like um, sort of Glen Shee, Glen area Shee eventually. Areas, yeah, 
um, and then kind of background by Lot Nagar. So well, there's lots of Monroes in that last section. Um, it's you know it's also interesting that Jim went and Jasmine went the other way, I believe. Okay. So they went the uh, Glen Shee direction first, and then uh, to pick up as many as they could, and then okay. came back the other way. Whereas um, Sasha and Ali decided to go the other way to get the big ones in and then just go for it. Um, and I decided that was suitable for me as well. In a sense, you know, either I got 33 or I didn't. So uh, I felt it better to go for the bigger hills first and then more technical train okay. with fresher legs. And then I hope for the runnable. <laughs> There goes the coffee machine turning off. To <laughs> uh, so get the runnable, the runnable train last. At the end, and okay. Hopefully, the more easier at the end. Uh, although it probably didn't turn out quite like that. But yeah, that was my thoughts for it. And that must have added to the sort of, like you mentioned that sort of sense of the the clock ticking down, like when you had, you'd left quite a lot of Monroe's to the to the end, or like relatively. Yeah, uh, but you always had the, the schedule of, okay, what, where do I need to be by when to be at under 24? Yeah. So I'd always done it as 23, 59. So okay. I could gauge, you know, okay, I'm so much up on that schedule. Okay. Or, okay, it's getting closer, but I'm always got this sort of countdown on each of those summits. So in a way, them being closer gives you a bit more of a gauge to, right, yeah. I need to up the <laughs> or give every everything to make sure that I'm trying to hold those splits or not lose as much as, um, as so much. Yeah, it's an easier gauge the more splits you've got, isn't it? Like on, mm. on wrecking some of the Bob Graham, because a lot of the splits are quite short. Um, it, it's quite good to know where you are you know some of them are even like five minutes or you know eight yeah. minutes uh whereas yeah on other rounds I don't know, like Malardock, there's only uh, uh is it eight i think it's eight rows in you know in almost 60k mm-hmm. so you're sort of like hours between quite a few of them and it's, it's harder to gauge um <laughs> yes I yeah then you have to split it down and try and work it out somehow but uh it, yeah, it just it just helped at the end there. I think that's perspective to have those more splits closer together. How, um, and how did you work out the splits? Was that based on previous sort of attempts? Uh, or? Uh, yeah, I was trying to piece it off uh, Sasha's Strava, but he had only left it on moving time and okay. not on race time. So it was kind of okay. This is roughly. Okay. What he did for these different sections, um, and then tried to tweak my splits to what I thought would be about right to get me where I needed to do. Um, just basically to give a reasonable benchmark, and I think I was probably well, I was a little bit too pessimistic early on on the round. Okay. Um, in a sense, I moved quicker than I expected. I think I put a little bit off of Sasha's splits okay. early on and then and then 
Yeah. So, so you'd built into the splits that you thought you might have to move faster. Later. Later, yeah, okay. Or be more consistent yeah. across the round, I think. Okay. Rather than what I did, which was more go hard and then, and then survive. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so on the day you went, you went hard, you went fast to start with, and then... And then yeah, relatively, yeah. for for a 24-hour yeah. effort. It was definitely moving quicker um, earlier on and then hanging on in the last six hours. Because I think you dropped quite a few, or not dropped, uh, or maybe dropped, but I think you, uh, with your pacers, like, meeting you at the, at the changeovers. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so early on, I arrived, must have been 30 minutes up on what I'd scheduled. Uh, so Ali and uh, Ross were nowhere to be seen. Uh, so <laughs> I've got uh, Rob, luckily, on, on leg one, and there's nothing but, uh, all right, we'll, we'll carry on then, shall we? <laughs> Luckily, he's a Duracell bunny and loves being in the mountains as much as us. Uh, so, and he's crazily fit. So he carried on bouncing on for the leg, and then eventually, um, Ali caught us in the middle of leg two uh, towards uh, Derry, Cairngorm. We're doing the out and back, and he met us there. And then eventually, we found Ross on top of Ben McDewey thought he'd lost us for good um, <laughs> got a short section um, but yeah so that worked out and then actually it was slightly ahead the, the paces for the next leg were literally running in as I was climbing up Devil's Point oh, okay. so they Ali then had to carry on um, all the way to Brerick and and they caught us before I did the out and back to Devil's Point and round so there was a bit of because they're so far in, there's no road crossing, yeah, and they're yeah. quite a long run in to get to them. For a, and they're trying to judge off your schedule and arrive a little bit early, and then when you've passed through, it's yeah, it was quite a interesting thing on planning and expectations and um, yeah, it's a real logistical nightmare, isn't it? Because like, Carrabothy is. Uh, I mean, I don't have the math in front of us, but I mean, I, probably how far is that from from kind of the ski centre? Like, it could be fifteen k or yeah, something like that. Uh, ballpark, and then longer from the other direction. Yeah. So yeah, it's like trying to get there on time, <laughs> and like reception for trackers and things isn't always isn't always good in there. No, and that so. that was the other thing. The trackers failed. Uh, well, my one didn't work at all. The spare one worked for the first four hours and then didn't pick up. So there was no, like, idea. And then signalled us uh, at the car park. There was no signal. So, yeah. you know, the supporters couldn't see if the track was working or not anyway. So it was all quite, uh, you know, if you go back and do it again, right, you need to be there X early and it is it's going to be a, a wait. And I suppose, yeah, the problem with something this long is, I mean, you were like 50 minutes or something up on schedule at one point, I think, weren't you? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of, it's not even get out, you know, safe to be, you know, an hour early could still be potentially 
uh, not early enough. <laughs> uh, I guess this is the hard thing with this round is because it's not many people have done it. Yeah. And what you're trying to base things off, there's not like a, these are the splits. You know, so the narrow, the margin is very narrow. Whereas on the Bob Graham, you can go, okay, yeah, they're going to be within 15 minutes yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> or half hour. And, so you, and you can drive to the bottom and and sit there in your car and you're, you're ready and off you go. Where here, you've got to, say, you run in for 10 miles, <laughs> judge how long that's going to take you. And and then the splits aren't clear quite yet because not so many people will run them. Yeah. What what the margin of error is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, presumably for the splits only. Um, yeah. So Sasha and that's yeah, it. Is, that, is it Ali Masson who Ali Masson had who been started with him. started with Sasha but had to pull out. Yeah. So it's, the, it's them, and then you're the second one to do yeah. a sort of similar similar mm. route. How how do you split the the pacing up, like how many? So it's 160k roughly, I think, wasn't it? Like a massive 100 yes, miles. 100 miles. Yeah. How, how how many sections did you split the the pacing up into? Uh, I guess I just split it into different the legs that had been done, and then I did it on. I just made the schedule off off uh, what Sasha had done, and then okay. tried to work in how do I find the extra time. So I tried to minimise the breaks and the stops because it sounded like they had um, a bit more downtime okay. in between the legs, refuelling. Okay. So I thought, okay, maybe I can cut that out to make the extra time to get Breyerick. So although I maybe might be slower than Sasha, yeah, I can't run at Sasha's pace in in a short kind of FE5, okay, but yeah. over 24 hours, maybe I can be more efficient and and keep going longer. Uh, so so all I needed to know was what he'd done. Yeah. And then I just go on, what does it feel like? <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's all you can do. Is, does this feel at the right pace for me? Um, can I do this for so long? And then what is my, and then you just push and eat and, and fuel. Um, and then you're, you're just gauging on off that schedule, whether it's enough or not. Because you, yeah, you've got a huge experience in, in long stuff. Um, yeah. And maybe this is a good point to actually ask you a bit about that. Um, because I was, yeah, I was looking at your website, kimcarlson.com uh, this morning and uh <laughs> So you're, you're a running guide and a coach. And um, actually, where I was staying um, last night, um, Harry was saying that he's worked, worked uh, in the same outward bound uh, as you at one point in the past. Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, your website, obviously, there's, there's loads of different things like records and, and race results, your UTMB, things like that. Like, but what, what are your sort of... Uh, um, what are you most proud of in terms of your records? Uh, most proud of, hey, well, there's pulling on the, the GB vest for me was uh, one of those proud achievements of you, you representing your country at World Championships. That was always a, 
wow, one of those things you never think you're going to do until it kind of happens. <laughs> and then when it does, it's like, well, okay, yeah. And then getting to stand on the podium alongside, um, you know, the superstars of trail running at the time with, with the bronze medal for the team. That, you know, that was a um, one of those highlight moments in terms of... Was that, sorry, World Trail Championships? Yeah, yeah. 2015 in Annecy. Um, one where Tom Owens was fourth overall. Um, I think I was 20th and then Lee Kemp was a couple of places behind me and that was enough to get the bronze at that time. Um, just behind the French who dominated and then the Americans who got the silver that year. Okay. Um, I think the Spanish had a couple of dropouts that curtailed their team chances. Okay. Um, although they had some very good individuals um, performing. So that was always a very proud moment. The GV vest, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then in terms of records, I guess the Lakeland 24 would be the other, would be the highlight in terms of, you know, it was that step up, the historical nature of it. Mark Hartel, Joss Naylor, all those, the history that built over years. And, and people, you know, Adam having several attempts and getting very close and not quite making it, unfortunately. Um, and Steve Berkershaw having a couple of goes before then. It, you know, all added to the weight of it. And it's one of those that you, I, you know, I didn't think I had a chance until, you know, those last few weeks of training where actually you, you I ran the leg one and you know you can run the splits and you think actually I ran the splits on a big block of training and I did that and I felt okay at the end so you kind of believe that you've got the ability and then it's just okay. about then tagging on <laughs> the other 16 18 hours of of movement onto that um, so so then you get that belief and then when it actually happens you, know, you never know until you, you start and give it a go. So that was probably my proudest moment as well. And, um, and that's, yeah, it's a huge um, you know, number of peaks. Uh, yeah. You know, like we said earlier, Bob, the Bob Graham one was 42 and then it's this progression through. And, and one thing that strikes me with all these sort of rounds and record is, is just, I, I, I love the history of the progression, you know, because it is, yeah you're sort of uh, going on the, the back of what's gone before and sort of looking at that and then looking at the map out and, okay, what can I do slightly differently or how could I eke out some a time? And like you said, like being efficient with your changeovers. Um, yes. Like that's one thing that, that's pretty striking, like for the Bob Graham, like you look at the, at the um, say like Billy Bland's like times, like they, in, in those days they would have, they would have had uh, like rest stops Sort of at, at the changeovers, who had yeah. had a bit of more of a rest, often because they'd like just absolutely hammered like the downhill to the rest to then have a rest, and that was kind of the way they did it in, in those days. And then like in subsequent years, people have maybe taken the descent a wee bit shorter to then have a mm. have a shorter rest and and maybe gain a bit of time that way. So I think you know that like how probably Mark McDermott 
broke what was perceived as the unbreakable record of Joss Naylor's. You know, I'm sure Joss just ran really hard and then had those rest stops and and then ran really hard and and, and yeah. then on the 24 hour, on the 24 hour. Yeah. But then Mark McDermott's, you know, I think it was that oh, he's come with his spreadsheet and you know have yeah. come with a different mindset and of how do I break this record and then really wrecked it, wrecked it, knew his splits, knew what he could do, you know, where could I save, the t you know, and it's the rest stops, it's easy yeah. time, if, you, if you're not quite as quick, well, I've just got to keep moving yeah. for more, more time, so, uh, yeah, it's just different ways to attack things. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I heard that, um, you know, Ali Masson and and uh, particularly and, and Sasha like in their planning for the the going from gyms thirty to thirty two Munros like they did a lot of mat work planning and uh, yeah I suppose then like you kind of alluded to you can then you know that then they've done that so then yeah. well then they, you know Sasha sets the record so then you can sort of then you're thinking okay well what can I add to that and and in the you know in the Cairngorm one it's it was they'd already considered doing bravery, so that was quite, like you said, the obvious one to, to add in, but it's quite a, an extra it out is, and back. It is it? a long from, out and back. Uh, from screwing Lockanoo and round the plateau. Like, it, it looks not that far when you look straight across at it, but it's, it's quite a way round. And some of it is not the easiest of, the quickest of running either. It's, a lot of it is boulder field elements. So, yeah. you, you know, there's only so fast you can run that terrain so although it's i think was it probably 8k or just under to add it on and, and back again okay so you know that's a significant chunk of time across that terrain yeah, and yeah. plateau so maybe 55 minutes 52 minutes 55 okay. minutes of time i think roughly and uh and sasha's record he um did he have 40 minutes to spare maybe roughly 23 hours 20 ish 23 was it 13 or okay. so maybe a, like 45 minutes or something okay so it, yeah it was it you know be... it's there but you've got to find extra stuff somewhere else oh, yeah if you, yeah so if, if he had mm. if he had 47 minutes left and it had taken 50 minutes to add that extra peak yeah yeah so, yeah. so I guess that my mindset was I just applied what I did on the 24 was, okay, I've got to race it like Billy Bland raced Bob Graham and go at what I feel is a pace that I can handle and then keep going at a good pace later okay. where, you're, where you really are just hiking and, and running the flats and the downs. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of went at the Monroe's a similar approach. Okay let's run and it's was it a really long running along a f flat road through the estate and then it's a long sort of douche grade climb which is really quite runnable and, and fast um so you're getting quite a tempo along there um up to top of really up to the top of ben Ain. and so you, you've made good time on what the record is because you think like I've got to get there before you know it's your first yeah. reference point really and so you want to be up on the schedule yeah it's a good feeling isn't it's it? a good feeling yeah. <laughs> and then then you know 
right, what you've got to do and how that effort compares to what they did. Yeah. And then so you keep that going. And then so I suddenly I was probably to go at it harder than Sasha and Ali did because they didn't have that experience of this is their first 24 hour effort or their first long ultra. Yeah, yeah. So they would have been at it a bit, bit more cautious than I did. So suddenly I'm picking up time on, on their schedule. And so I think I almost had that 50 minutes by and at the time I needed to add the extra top. I had that time in the bag. Oh yeah, okay. So by the yeah. time I got to White Bridge, about halfway round, I think I was pretty much equal with when they were at White Bridge. But you already had the extra peak. I already had the extra ah, yeah. peak. However, <laughs> I had put a lot more effort in to get yes. to that point in that time. So then it became more of a, oh, this is hurting now. <laughs> and I had a real, real kind of low point from Whitebridge up to, um, I'm trying to remember what the first, is it, is it Carnvac? And that first one on that side? Uh, maybe, maybe I think, not. I think it might be, but yeah, because then you're into like Ben, Luthan Moore and yes. things after that, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was having a real kind of energy low point and I was moving, but you know, mentally I was at low point. It's like, I'm suffering this much. How am I going to do this for another 13, 14 hours when I'm feeling like this? But you know, you carry on, you, you get more fuel in and, and you recover and then you're back into, oh, this is this is the rhythm I can push out here. Um, then the weather changed. It'd been okay. really okay and quite nice for running early on with some high cloud, not too warm, but nice temperature. And, and then basically we got what we got today, um, gray with rain and drizzle started coming in. Okay. And so then you're in the mist. Uh, so, so things start to become a bit more slippery and slower generally. While it was daylight, that was fine because you can still kind of see enough. Um, and then I think when we got to Glen Shee, uh, you know, it's dark, it's claggy. You've got very limited visibility with the torches. Um, so navigation becomes a lot trickier. Um, uh, luckily, we had uh, Al Hubbard who lives in Braemar and he's a very good orienteer. He came up, decided, well, Sabrina knew him and he came out, like, said on Thursday, yeah, I can come and help. So having that local knowledge there and yeah. my friend Adam, who'd been out to recce it. And so between them, they had really good knowledge of, of that leg. Um, and then along with um, the phones, GPS, uh, OS maps on the phones, which just gives you that pinpoint location oh, yeah. in there. You know, they were able to navigate fast enough and know where the trods are that you know, the maps don't tell you yeah. uh, at the pace I was going. Okay. So it kind of was a limiter, but not so much. I mean, it limited in the sense we were 
literally 10 meters from a top a couple of times and it's like where is it and literally having to search around for the top to be able to touch the can so the, the you know there was limitations of and then the rocks are a bit slower and slipperier so you're a little bit more cautious and your legs are tired at that stage so you're you're not very nimble as as you were when you're after three hours uh, and then and then I'm feeling the effort of the the previous 16 hours and then my body's starting to shut down um, and food's not becoming so palatable anymore you, you know you need to the energy so you're trying to put the fuel in and then you've got to stop because you, you're gonna vomit and, and so then you go through that little bit of process of dry heaving a bit and and still trying to push so so although i had this buffer i think it was 55 minutes at whitebridge on on a 24-hour schedule that i created okay by it was 45 minutes by glenn she okay um by the end it was 12 minutes yeah so so psychologically i, I knew i was pushing and then halfway through like adam's like <laughs> you've got to push really hard now because you you, you know what the the paces are seeing and then, so you're constantly against that clock knowing that it's it is ticking down but you've got a buffer and it's have i got enough on those splits in the bag yeah with what i can run between the tops so you, you go through that process of having some really good legs and then some not so good legs. And and, and also the legs that you I mean you created this, this schedule that's not so tested in as well. So you're never yeah. not quite sure is well how accurate is that <laughs> that split. Um, yeah, because that schedule, I mean with Breviac had never been been used before, had it? So mm. you're sort of yeah, testing it at the time and and there's also the element of daylight. You know, I was there in the darkness where Sasha was there in the daylight because they started later and had done the dart leg um, on the other side of Glenshee. And well, what time did you start? So I started at six in the morning and they started at nine. Okay. So it shifted the dart patch a little bit. So they had a bit more daylight earlier yeah. in that last leg and yeah. and I would say Sasha's a better runner in, in runner runner than with leg speed than me whereas I prefer the steeper up and down and rough stuff okay um so yeah I always knew that probably I would be at or slightly or worse off on that leg anyway so I was glad to have the buffer <laughs> Um, yeah, that must be really psychologically hard going into darkness. I mean, even though it's somewhere and it's you know short hours of darkness, but going into the darkness after, I mean, presumably you've been running uh, what uh, 14, 18, 18 hours or something, uh, yeah, something like that. 16 through, hours maybe when you went 16 into the dark. hours through, yeah, and then yeah, 16 hours. I think then the darkness came just half an hour before Glenshee. Um, yeah, so then you've got that four and a half, five hours of darkness. But that's quite a 
chunk yeah, in the yeah. mist and the clag at that critical critical point. And then it was the last hour, hour and a half that was light. Okay. Which which was good. You know, to have that to run off Lochnagar. Yeah. Knowing that you're you're feeling legs are trash, but you, you know you should be able to do it. However, it's really, really rough terrain to get to the track. <laughs> and, and, but you, there's no other way, but you've just got to go and get on with it. And eventually you hit the track and you're like, right, let's try and run with all you've got. Um, and it wasn't until I was a few K that I went, yes, I really, I really can relax now. And, and, and that, so coming so close to the end and the sun coming up and the yes. final descent, that must have all all be quite a, a boost to go. Yeah. yeah you, come on. <laughs> I mean, you, you dig. When the goal's so big, you find everything you've got, especially as you've still got that time, a little bit of time in the bag. Yeah. You, you know, you can dig pretty that, deep. How long did you have to, to spare at the end? 12, 12 minutes. minutes. Or just under 12 minutes, I think it was. Uh, which is close enough, yeah, <laughs> but not not as close as like Carol had, like two and a half minutes on her Lakeland twenty four hour. Oh, really, Carol Morgan? Yeah, last oh, wow. year when she broke that record, it was two and a half minutes. Like, well, I remember oh. watching that tracker. <laughs> like, is she? Is she not? Um, yeah, that's tight. But I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that's one of the absolute top memories, like for her, just mm. coming in and giving it absolutely everything. And, and making it and just making it it's, it's, it's yeah. better that way than, than, than two yeah. and a half minutes the other way or the minute as you say um, so there's, def- there's definitely time for you to add a top there oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that was some of my questions to ask you later about yeah what, what else could be added to it <laughs> yeah, well, that, that is the question what would you add there's so many options now you know because you could that's the beauty of it being how many monorails because you can drop some and add different ones in can't you yeah yeah um you know could you do the climb of Cairngorm yes yeah, so interestingly you miss um Cairngorm on the you don't do Cairngorm yeah, yeah. in the, the Cairngorm on the Cairngorm's range yeah um but it's you know it's quite a lot of extra ascent isn't yeah. it to, to add it so would you add, what's the other one that you do on the Rigby? Bionic Moors? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, could you add those two and, and drop um, Breyerick or oh, something? Yeah. You, you know, there's potentials. Yeah, to, yeah. To try and, it, it clearly would add extra distance on and, and height. But, you know, I, you know, did fade, had struggles on that second half. You know, there's definitely time oh. for a runner like yourself that could find that time and maybe finish a bit stronger because they've not been so taxed on the the early part you know you could keep the same splits as me but then finish stronger and still have who knows <laughs> it's, it's one of those beauties of where is the next one yeah because it's an awful long long way mm. and a long time to be out <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's as clear cut as adding Breyrick that I had you know you could see right there's an out and back it's just about within the remits remits if you find the time yeah and it's and it's possible which is kind of what I've done 
now yeah. I think it would take a bit more planning and rejigging and wrecking and working out what your splits are and that side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I yeah, think it's definitely possible. It, yeah, if someone's to take it further, it's, it's going to need, yeah, they're going to need to look at some maps in a lot of detail and, and like you said, yeah. think about the splits, think about the different options because if you drop one, then it gives you, you know, yeah. other options. But that almost makes it harder to plan because it's so open to uh, to yeah. options. Whereas in the Lakeland 24 hour record, do you have to add to um, an existing? Yeah, so to make it very comparative in the sense that you've got to run the same tops as the previous record holder and okay. then add, add. Okay. a top onto that. But it's also now got to be a certain distance and certain height gain and loss. Um, which has changed over the years. The, okay. the, the criteria of what counts as the record has developed. So, um, yeah, the Bob Graham Club decided to add, because some tops were added that you wondered, why is that an extra top? Okay. Um, so then they changed the criteria to make it harder to add tops, um, which has which then really interestingly affected both the men's and the ladies, meaning it's it's you're really hard for the ladies to get anywhere close to the men's record because the criteria has become tougher. Uh, oh yes. uh, yeah, at, okay. at the same date, so they have the same rules as us now, but because their tops are the are different from the history. Okay. They, it's really hard for them until oh, that's until someone perhaps just comes and runs the men's record and, and makes it. <laughs> One record. Uh, yeah. Huh. I don't know. Uh, so yes, in in that sense, you can still start and finish it at a different point. Okay. And, and run it in a different order. Because uh, it's not defined where you start and finish, as long as you make it around. And then, so then it becomes okay. There's a few tops that it could be, like I think Haycock would be. One of the probably the next obvious choice. Okay. Then you might think about uh, since Sunday's crag uh, potentially is another potential, and then then you're, you're talking a bit further. Maybe high spy could be another option. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's but, but that that's also there's there's still tops there. <laughs> Has anyone had a go on on that Lakeland one since you since you set it? Because that was early, earlier this year, wasn't it? When was that May or something? No, I mean that was well last. It's July um, twenty twenty. Oh, okay. So it was yeah, yeah. like a year before the Monroe's record. Okay. Um, which which kind of partly why I went for the Monroe's because it kind of meant okay, I've done the Lakes yeah, one. Yeah. Well, I'm quite good at these 24 hours. <laughs> and um, So the Monroes came. Uh, so yeah, it was a whole year later virtually. Okay. And has anyone sort of attempted that Lakes record, do you know of? Not that I'm aware of not. yet. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. So uh, we want two things we haven't mentioned, which I think we have to talk, uh, talk about was, yeah, earlier this year it was your Paddy Buckley, wasn't it? 
Yeah, Paddy Buckley record. So that was that. When was that? That was April, just in that nice spell of weather, um, and just as lockdown had lifted. Yeah. Um, so that we could travel to Wales. So it was done literally the first weekend after lockdown lifting, and I could get to Wales. And then I went and uh, attempted it and ran it. Um, Had you already been down there and sort of... Yeah, so last summer, after the um, the 24-hour record, I went and did some wrecking on the route, okay. thinking, okay, I'd like to give this a go. Originally, I was planning to attempt the paddy record as the alternative to the 24, because uh, I thought that was more achievable and realistic was okay. the, at, that, at that time. Um you know, I saw Damon's time. It's okay. That's that's breakable. You put a good run together. Okay. I can do that. Um, and then, literally, as I was wrecking it, I think Math ran round and and broke it and, and did his nearly an hour off Damon's time and went. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm not that recovered. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm, it's going to have to wait a year. Okay. Uh, so. I thought that's what I've built up for over the spring yeah, yeah. to go at the paddy. Um, and you must have felt, you know, really confident coming out of that to then, after you rest and recovered, then going into the, the 24-hour Monroe's. Yeah. Um, I guess I came out of that feeling good and with a good couple of weeks of recovery, I was able to get back into some... Well, felt like decent training again and felt like I hadn't lost so much speed. I think I maybe lost a little bit of speed, but for the 24 hour I knew I didn't need, you know, fell race speed, but just to be at a good high level for, for me. Um, so I managed to put in a good block of training and feel actually I can give this a good attempt now. Um, whereas I think after the, I think the, the, those last eight hours above really is what takes it out of you or even the last four hours of that 24 hour where you're really straining to dig deep to because because you know it's 24 hours you've got to give everything to get there for me you know it wasn't I I feel comfortable and you know sometimes when you win a race and you're in front of everyone else, you've still got a bit of reserve. Um, so, whereas the Monroes, I didn't have any reserve left, you know, you left it all out there. So I think that takes a bit longer to recover from, or I find that, um, than where the paddy, 16 hours, I think I'm much more conditioned to that sort of effort level, or that duration to be able to, with a couple of weeks of really good recovery to start bouncing back from it. Um, it created a good stepping stone in my mind. So it's, so it's maybe not even, not just about the, the extra distance, but you, you know, you'd expect to have to take longer to recover after a, a longer distance, but it's also just, just how depleted you get in sort of making yourself cover that distance fast. And, yeah, and as so. you said about like the last half of really having to, to push on um, in the Cairngorms, just how de- kind of depleted you are, and yeah, I, which, think, I think a lot of it is is, is 
is a combination of fully, you know, psychologically de you deplete yourself in the sense of you, you're totally in that. Okay, so that takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Then neurologically, you're really, you've given everything. <laughs> so you deplete. And then there's the metabolic impact of, of pushing past that edge of actually, I really should stop now. <laughs> and But you've, you've pushed yourself to go beyond that point. So there's all these factors combining to think actually uh, you need longer to recover um, and I think that's what I found after the Lakes 24 last summer thinking about could I do another round later in the you know in the early autumn okay I just didn't feel ready yeah. to push that hard again so I went okay no let's not and you have to listen to your body don't you you just have to yeah. recover properly uh, yeah, and especially if you, your your goal is to break a record, yeah. <laughs> you know you've got to be in it hundred percent, haven't you? You can't just go, ah, oh, I'm seventy five percent there. I'm going to break this record. You've got to be fully invested into into that and know that you're ready to to go. Um, otherwise, you know the certainty of failure <laughs> makes it not possible anymore. And it's. It's quite, uh, I find, I mean, I haven't done as long things as this, but, you know, in the kind of 100k region of the things I've done, uh, it's quite a, you know, getting to the point where you sort of feel like physically you're sort of, at, I guess, at the top of a training cycle, um, but also like mentally, like fully visualising it and sort of ready for it and, and knowing it's going to be tough and you're going to be digging really hard sort of all that coming together with also, you know, the weather and the time off and everything. It's quite a, yeah, it's quite a, a complex kind of mix for it all to come, yes. come together. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's, it's the weather stress, is, yeah. which is the hard thing of, um, I know, I've been really lucky to pick that right window and then peak the training and and then taper and feel ready for it. And you know, that nervous anxiety of the week before, and then it, yeah. is it gonna be right? Is it not? Uh, the Lakes 24, I bought forward a week because I saw that the weather pattern was better. So I, I tapered from a two weeks instead of a three week and, and went, right, I'm ready to go. And, and luckily I'm glad I did because the following weekend was not so good. Um, and so sometimes it's, you know, the Paddy Buckley, hey, yeah, maybe I could have gone for another training cycle and gone for a maze, perhaps a better month to do okay. stuff. And I thought, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good shape here. This is a clear dry spell. Let's, let's, let's go for it. And, you know, May turns up and it's really cold and snowy and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wet and not in the typical May. So it's sometimes you've got to go what's good enough. Well, exactly. Yeah, because it, it's never going to be perfect, is it? That doesn't no. exist. So it's sort of getting getting to the point where it feels like enough factors come together and, 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 and going for it and just, yeah, because anything can happen. You could fall off a skateboard and break your wrist. And you could. Break yes. yourself back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean the yeah, the 24-hour mineral record like it's 
it sounds really cool. It sounds like such a, uh, you know, such a long, big effort. Like uh, for, I can't really imagine the kind of feeling at the end. Like, would you say, yeah, you said like the last kind of four hours, particularly, I mean, was that, does that mean like after 20 hours you were, you were essentially, you were essentially done and just like holding on, like how, like how, how, how far before the end were you like, oh, I, I don't have a lot to give, but then knew you had to just uh, keep going by mental strength. So probably leaving Glenshi, that last leg was, well, that was mental strength in sense of, right, I've just got to follow, you know, and all my, my focus then is on moving <laughs> and following and uh, using all the, the tools of positive self-talk that you can use to shout at yourself, to lift yourself, to, to go, and, and just that, right, I can go faster, I can go faster. As, as your, your, your mind's telling you, you've got to go quicker and you push and then your body's slowly counteracting that and you, you, you creep slower and slower as your body's like winning that battle and then you fight that again. So virtually that last six hours was a, a case of that yo-yoing of body versus mind versus the, the feedback coming to you from what your splits were um, and that uh, the moral support is, is amazing. You know, having people that are positive and then people that tell you the cold hard facts as well. I, you know, I feed off that. I need to know at that point what is what is the score because um, because it enables me to go. All right, I've really got to lift and find everything. Um, so there was definitely one point probably three hours out, I was climbing up one of the, the those monroes in the middle of that leg and I just suddenly had this real uh, bonk <laughs> and literally I reached the top, came back down and had to stop and right, pizza, <laughs> gel and, and then just doing that was enough for maybe a minute back up and off again and that was... Okay just enough to give me that break and and to get in the food to, to lift it again and then I was able to do that and then you you get to within a few tops and you start to see the end line so you, your your mind knows where the finish point is and you can start putting everything in to make sure that you're getting those splits and getting to that last top with enough of a buffer to know. And then, then when you get to that last top and you think, yeah, I've, I've got this. I've just got to keep doing what I'm doing. And you were able to, um, you were able to eat kind of pretty much through even those difficult hours where you're still able to keep putting fuel in. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Um, not at the same intensity. I mean, early on, I, I get lots of fuel down and... Um, trying to eat something every 20 minutes which then maybe crept to every half hour later on in the round okay. uh, and then yeah it, it, probably every 30 minutes 
and at the end. tips for sort of the types of things that like later on on something like that when everyone you know everyone struggles to different degrees with actually just getting food down is there any particular things that you found worked well uh for me the mountain fuel jellies and and gels work really really well i mean i just can squeeze them in and yeah. see it as as energy rather than you know particularly yeah. nice to pleasant to eat it just becomes that this is fuel i yeah. need it get it down then um pizza cold pizza works quite well for me as a as something more solid in carbohydrate and okay. a bit of fat a bit of salt <laughs> and and that, i kind of force some of that down as well to give me a bit more of a slower release energy um, and then those little chews uh, like goo chews or oh, okay. cliff shots they work quite well for me as quite a hit as well and like you said trying to, I think it helps to, to think of it as yeah it's like one of your jobs like navigating and <laughs> moving your legs like, yeah you've just got to yeah. get the, the fuel in it's not about yeah Yes, enjoying it. It, it's it doesn't become a, an yeah. enjoyment thing at that stage. It, for me, it is that uh, this is a functional thing. If I don't feel I run out of energy, yeah. I have to go slower <laughs> and stop or um, bonk. So I guess that's kind of what I've worked out, uh, things that I go to. Um, other people, they don't work. It's, it's yeah, definitely yeah. about finding and practicing what works for you. And and actually, you often you need a lot more than you think. I think a lot of people fail to eat enough. Um, when you're pushing hard and the intensity is at a certain level, you're going to be burning through plenty of sugar and you've only got yeah. so much you can store. And towards the end of a 24-hour, if you're not putting that sugar in, you know, your stores are pretty well depleted by that stage. Yeah, um, yeah, like you said, it's yeah, it's amazing how much you actually need when you're so going what, long and going hard. Yeah, yeah, so what you can stomach kind of becomes a little bit your limiter of your intensity um, to a degree at that stage. Um, so, yeah. What any sort of thoughts following on from that as to like what uh, what's coming up in the horizon for you, Kim? Uh, horizon wise <laughs> two weeks time i'm gonna attempt the dragon's back oh okay um yeah i'm not sure how i'm gonna react um physiologically as i say i don't feel completely recovered um from the monroes okay um definitely not gonna be at peak shape because what um, is it about six six weeks since you're round or roughly it might be eight weeks okay eight weeks by the time of dragon's back um which is not yeah it's not long i tried to race hard at a a 50k down in cornwall um two weekends ago um which didn't go so well i dropped at 40k and had a complete yeah breakdown in terms of I, i tried to run it too hard for actually how fit I was because uh, I hadn't raced for 18 months it was that typical uh, chasing um, Jamie Stevenson who went off really quickly and I tried to chase and 
didn't have that capacity and then it was just a slow okay <laughs> and it got to 40k and my legs are seized and my body was saying no you're not recovered uh, so that's kind of knocked things back a little bit yeah, as well okay. yeah. uh, so although i'll be in good shape and but six days you don't need to be an ultra each day it's it's not about being top end record ready um so keeping it in a sensible pace on day one and then trying to be keep injury and blister free and i think it's part of the game of dragon's yeah, back so yeah it'd be a, an exciting journey anyway from conway to cardiff um, and, and part of me part of the reason for the monroes was that sense of adventure and journey and exploration and being in the mountains and getting to see new tops. So, you know, I haven't really wrecked the Dragon's Back, although I've been on plenty of the course sure, in different yeah. parts of uh, my career. It's, it's still going to be a map and compass, um, GPS and exploring the routes as I go. And that really appeals to me of why I'm doing the Dragon's Back is for that sense of journey. Um, distant, distant horizon. Then it's it's you know it's where do I what's what's next? You know I've I've got this joy of records and and challenging myself and seeing where is my limits. Um, so clearly, um, you know I see the Ramsey as I want to do the Ramsey, but you kind of made that a bit above where I can get now. So. Um, uh, so it's, it's have, you, going. Have, you, have you have you done it no 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 okay no so you've still got that too. still still want to do Take it on, yeah still looking you know I still want to do it the best I can do it um, but maybe it's not as a pressing uh, thing to do now okay. Okay. whereas I might want to look at something different potentially um, you know, maybe I maybe it's the stage where I move a bit longer than twenty four hours and look at multiple day stuff, um, okay. which which kind of goes. You know, is is that is that oh, maybe maybe do I challenge John Kelly's Pennine Way? Okay. Um, do I do I shift to something more runnable and 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 longer that way, or do I do I try and do the Wainwrights and you know, am I ready for that sort of six day suffering yet? Maybe not. So, so um, that's six days and, and the Pennine is um, roughly, well, is that about three days? Uh, less, 58 less. hours now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So was it two, uh, two days, 10 hours, <laughs> a bit. Oh. four minutes, which, yeah, is another, what, another league of suffering. What do you think is that about the, the, the kind of, these challenges that kind of makes you want to go longer and, because <laughs> I think you know a lot of people find that. Uh, isn't it the same for a lot of people while they move up distances in ultras? Because once you know you can do something, you know, the logical thing is to go longer. In a sense, can I? Um, can I run that distance? Um, can I? Can I run that distance at that? Pace. Pace. Um, so it's, it's trying to find challenges and 
that that tick that box of yes, I think it's possible, but I don't know, and and it's it's that careful balance. And maybe something about that you when you tell me about that suffering at the end of the Monroe's record like you're sort of smiling a bit and like remembering it as just this intense period of you know <laughs> it's definitely going to be a really strong memory and yes yeah yeah <laughs> and I think there's something really weird about um like the sort of relativity of you can be out for so long but also your memories of it are sort of all encapsulated into one that you can sort of think through it quite quickly and it's sort of it's a timeless kind of yeah. although you're so focused on the time and splits and things it, the the kind of actual experience of it i found like say in the, in the rugby round like it's it, your memory of it is kind of quite a timeless kind of period because you're just kind of in the in the flow of it and um you know suddenly an hour will go by and uh, you're sort of you're still running <laughs> and yeah <laughs> yeah that is if for me that there's longer there's there's definitely elements of bigger lows and and things that you know you don't know whether you're going to come through it or not I think my biggest memory of that was the first adventure race world champs I did in France in 2012 um, where we ended up being the last team to complete the full course I think we were like 15th overall and it was seven and a half days and we literally sort of sneaked under the the cutoff within half an hour maybe oh, maybe man. even less less than that after seven and a half days so and, and i remember the last cutoff which was about a day before then and this big mountain leg and having to tow two of us were bunging one of our alex to try and make this last cutoff and then just being after that I don't know how I got to the finish. <laughs> it was it, there's a whole section of that race which is totally blank, but you, you just found that somehow that element of suffering to push through, <laughs> and then you remember how that felt at the finish line once you've been yeah, to yeah. your darkest darkest low, and to get through it. So I think there's that element. There is that element of suffering and knowing what you've gone through to get there creates a bigger sense of, of pride. Yeah. Um, and so the 24s have, have created that. Um, so I think to, I think that's partly why I've entered the spine as well, was, was okay. for that. I think, you know, missing that adventure and that journey and element of, well, okay, this is so long that you are going to have some really low points can I deal with it and can I get through with it and then still reach the finish line? Whereas, whereas I see the Paddy Buckley, the Bob Graham, for me, more as performance goals now of, of you against the clock and less of that. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's pushing yourself. But it's, it's still a performance goal, I think, rather than an adventure goal. It's kind of different yeah. ideas in my head. Hence, yeah. why, hence why I tried to go for the Steve Parr in, when the spine was cancelled last winter. Uh, going for the Steve Parr solo unsupported 
in winter was, I don't know if I really can do this. No one ever's done it before. Yeah. It's, you know, only Martin Stone at that stage had done a solo winter, Bob Graham in, okay. in midwinter. So, so then thinking about, right, I need to carry this kit because I've got to be self-supported. I've got to have this amount of food because <laughs> I'm going to be out for at least 40 hours. Um, and it's full on winter conditions. So can I be self-sufficient in those conditions and make sensible decisions? And, and that was that whole element of this is an adventure for me. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't, so, you know, yes, I didn't get to the end, but that was fine because I made that right decision for me at that point and had a very good adventure trying. Um, and you learn a lot yeah. about yourself and, and how to improve it for the future. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's. I don't know a lot about the Steve Power Round, but is it sort of stats a bit double, double the BG? Yeah, um, it's it's not quite a double BG, I don't think. Um, but getting, you know, you've got the records or well, set as forty hours to do it okay. within to sort of what's the initial club target for it, um, or other people. But just as a challenge, it's a great next step up from a Bob Graham. Yeah. Rather than going Bob Graham Wainwright, <laughs> you know, in the lakes. It creates that good um, stepping stone, I think, of something a bit harder. And you get a full tour of the lakes. Okay. You know, you get into the far eastern fells and then you get into the Coniston fells. And so you, you have to explore the whole, all the different books, really, of... Um, of Wainwright's Wainwright. uh, Lake District. And how did it, it evolve, the Steve Parr round? Like, obviously, Steve Parr, but was it part of the progression of any of these other, well, not, not 24 hour records, but was it? Uh, I think it was, um, he had done the Bob Graham and then was looking for that next level of challenge. Yeah. And then I think there was a few people that had done, were looking at different things of combining all the two and a half thousand feet tops in the lake. Okay. Um, so he then, yeah, basically combined all the Wainwright, I think two and a half thousand feet tops. And then there are a few that were on the Bob Graham, the, you know, Eel Crag, Broad Crag, that aren't in a, aren't a Wainwright. Okay. That are on the Bob Graham. So I think he included those. Um, and then Years later, now it's been repeated. That's been the sort of choose the chosen version of it. Um, ah, yeah. So that's how that fits in. Yeah. Well, look, it's been it's been great talking about a lot of things. We've kind of <laughs> gone between yeah, pinged between different topics, but you know, it's all it's all been obviously relevant to this culmination into the twenty four hour Monroe record yeah. this year and. Yeah, great to sort of have a proper chat and go, and go through it. <laughs> Thank you. It's great chatting about it. And well done, of course, yeah, with just what is, you know, to me and most people listening, I'm sure, just this phenomenal, like, a phenomenal feat, long. Um, yeah, and definitely sounds like there was a, some dark spells there kind of after halfway, which you had to yeah. pull through on, on kind of mental resilience. <laughs> but if it wasn't hard, we wouldn't do it, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
and, and looking forward to uh, seeing you raise the bar in, in, in future, <laughs> future years. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully I've still got a few things in me for later, later in the year. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's see. But, yeah, great. Um, thanks, folks. Uh, yeah, Go Man Goats. Uh, this has been yeah, episode 15 with Kim Collison. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back at another time with something else. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>